Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Halpern of 40percentgerman.com, and as always, I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algema to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey, Dilly, how are you doing? Hi, Nick. I am very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm sleep deprived. I think I'm going insane. Ah. <laughs> I've got too many children now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think I'm operating on like four to five hours sleep. How do you night. do that? I don't know. It stuff happens. I'm not entirely sure I'm aware of what's going on. I'm very grumpy all the time, as I'm sure listeners will realize when they listen to uh, the rest of the episode when I start going off about <laughs> about cheese or something. But yeah, I don't know. Don't know how I'm doing it. What's it like to have lots of sleep, Dilly? Tell me about it. Remind me what that's like. Do you want to be reminded of my eight hours of sleep, Nick? Oh my God, I don't even think I got eight hours sleep when I was with only one child. I don't think I got eight hours sleep when I had no children. I don't I don't think you were an eight hours of sleep person. I think you yeah. had much of a nightlife and yeah, that, yeah, that kind of person, right? I mean, there was a period of my life where I was traveling a lot between Nuremberg and Augsburg and every night I'd go out for beers because I had nothing better to do with my time. And that was great. I mean, don't get me wrong. A beer is nice, but also waking up with a stinking hangover every every morning was no good. So I don't necessarily what? miss that. Yeah, yeah. Like it was really, I was going through, I was going through some shit, basically. Uh -huh. really. I was yeah. I was working away from home. It was yeah. just before the pandemic, a couple of years before. Yeah. So what was that? 28, let's say 2018 to 20, sort of early 2020. Yeah. And every week I'd get up on a Monday, I'd drive to Nuremberg, get up at like five in the morning, get in a car, drive to some part of Nuremberg, teach for eight hours and then stay in an Airbnb. I mean, it taught me a lot about how Airbnb works. I stayed in a VG a couple of times, one of these like sheds, apartments. Uh -huh. um, I saw a rat in my bedroom. So that's why I was drinking. So, you saw a rat so, in your bedroom in a VG oh, and yeah. you were drinking. Yeah, okay. That, that's, it, that makes it, complete it was, sense. It, it, it was a real like, I mean, it, I haven't thought about that in a long time, actually. It was a real real low point in my life in Germany. <laughs> it was like the, the probably the lowest I'd been where I hated my job. Yeah. I hated what had happened. And I remember the, the moment that the straw that broke the camel's back for me yeah. was after about a year of doing that, the people who had been renting, like all, all every week was just anxiety driven because you just didn't, you, it was very difficult to book Airbnbs because Nuremberg is a city with a big messer. And it's mm -hmm. got a big convention center. Mm -hmm. Like some weeks you just got nothing. And like uh, like you couldn't get anywhere. Or like the place that you'd rented the week before was now a thousand euros because the Jaeger conference was on or it was the toy fair or Nick, it was Let me catch up. So are you telling me that you did this? So you uh, you worked in Nuremberg for mm -hmm. like what, two or three years? And each week, so you didn't have one Airbnb that you rented. Each week you had to go stay somewhere new? Sometimes it was, it was like a kind of, it was, there was like a revolving selection. So it was probably about five or six places in the first kind of year that I'd like, if I couldn't get one, I'd get the other. But originally when I first started, I didn't know anything about it. I wasn't really getting a lot of support from my employers to do this. They weren't willing to give me more money so that I could get like something a bit more permanent. Mm. And so first time I did it, I booked this place. Turned out it was a student halls uh, of uh, like a student residence, student yeah. like um, halls of residence, right? Yeah. And two student, a couple, two students had rented out one of their spare rooms, right? Yeah. And it was a tiny place. Like yeah. as you'd imagine, student halls of residence, really uncomfortable. And I came back from work on a Tuesday and I went to sleep and was awoken to them loudly having sex in the room next door. Oh, and they no. didn't realize I was was back because I'm oh. a fucking ninja, right? Because I was just like, I don't want to interact with anyone. I just want to get into the room yeah. and like, don't want to be involved. And then like, I, I came out of the room and the boyfriend was in the kitchen naked 
And it was just horrific. It was like the the worst scenario you can imagine, like in that context, or at least I felt like it was the worst. Did they stop? I didn't bang on the walls or anything. They'd finished, and he was in the kitchen naked. And I kept, I opened the door, and he just went, "Oh!" And I was like, "Oh!" That's <laughs> like, "Why is this happening?" So that was the first taste of the old like Airbnb. And so I got a bit more clued up on how Airbnb worked. And then I went and sort of did a bit more research. What you what you never wanted was someone who was like sharing a room, and you have to like go through their house to get to the room. What you wanted is either someone's rent in their apartment mm-hmm. or it's a kind of a hotel-y kind of thing or a VG mm-hmm. or something like that where you were like you've got your own room you've got your own entrance you don't need to interact with anyone you don't mm-hmm. need to like have a conversation with some weird bloke from yeah Timbuktu or whatever but like plenty of times you'd end up in these situations where where it was, it was pretty horrific so you had that was that was my first instance and then I've, like I, there's a couple of times I'd found places that were a bit nicer I found there was one place that was really good I had for a few weeks that was like a it's like a hotel basically someone had turned their apartment complex into an Airbnb hotel mm-hmm. and you had like a common kind of kitchen area mm-hmm. and your own room and like sleep like bedroom I was going to say sleeping room like I was like totally the most german person um schlafzimmer <laughs> And, uh, and so, yeah, for like a while, it was like every week I had to find a new place. And so week to week, you just had the anxiety of like, I don't know if this is going to work. And, and then the panic of like, do I have to tell my boss? Like, I'm not going to be able to like, get somewhere to stay. And like, and then I had a friend who was letting me sleep on their couch twice mm-hmm. a week, but then I was effectively going to kind of move in with him. Yeah. And then the people he was subletting off who were also friends of mine. Mine just went no, like what? you can't do that. Yeah, Aww, there was some like Nick. there was something in the background. Yeah, so basically I was like shafted on that front, and then like I had friends who tried to help, and yeah. it was just really like I, I was really fucking low. I and, can uh, imagine that. It was also the middle of Brexit as well. I didn't know if I was like what was going to happen with citizenship. I had all like yeah. all this like the weight of the world on my shoulders, and oh, then shit. I found this VG. And it was horrible. I didn't tell anyone about it because I was so embarrassed about it. And I was so mm-hmm. like, this is my cross to bear. You know, I made the situation. I'll, I'll, I'll get myself out of it. Typical kind of blokey. Like, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown, but I'll be damned if I'm going to tell anyone about <laughs> it. And then the lowest point was when this VK was horrible. It was so funny. I had, they gave me a room and the room was... It, I don't know, this building, how the, it was designed by some insane person. So you had like an entrance corridor, a kitchen that was off uh, off the, the, the entrance corridor. And mm. then like a row of rooms that we had like a revolving group of tenants like myself. Okay. okay. And the room I got was at the furthest end. It was the quietest room, but it was mm. also next to the people who owned this house or whatever it was. Mm. Um, had a yoga studio so i'd okay. get woken up at like seven in the morning by a load of women doing yoga or like aerobics and then my german wasn't great i mean i could sort of survive but like it's just all very intimidating all very anxiety inducing but at least i had a room and it wasn't a very nice room but at least i had it and i could, I could yeah. get it week to week and but the problem with the yoga studio next door was not only the noise but the bathroom i had was shared by the yoga studio. So if I didn't get up like six in the morning to get in mm. the shower before they arrived, it was yeah. a very, and there wasn't, there wasn't a lock on the bathroom door, there was a very good chance that some lass in yoga pants would walk in on me while I'm in the shower, <laughs> which happened approximately four times. Might have happened more, where I'm literally in the shower and a door, the door opens and I'm like, hello? And I hear someone go, oh! <laughs> And run out and i'm like so i just what i started doing was just singing real loudly like singing f- just anything that i could think of any songs just going yeah like making as much noise as possible so I was like exactly there's no one gonna yeah and then the lowest point was i was sitting in the chair totally exhausted from work not sleeping properly and i, I oh, caught no. something out in the corner of an eye and underneath the bed just underneath the bed was a fucking big rat and in that moment i was like I'm going to kill this rat. I'm going to stamp on its head. And like, Did you? like I was maybe a few sort of uh, a few centimeters away. Like yeah. I moved quickly because it basically walked around the room behind my chair. I saw it. I just didn't move. 
and I waited for it to get close to me and I was like, I'm going to fucking kill this rat. And I jumped up and it just went scattered across the floor and ran away. Didn't know yeah. where it went. And I was like, I need to get out of this place. Yeah. And then I, I think I tried to book it the next week and they were like, oh, actually this VGA's been closed, but we've got another place in the other part, part of town. And I was like, oh, okay. And I went there and I came in and I was like, all right. And they're like, this is your room. And I was like, okay, where's the toilet? And they were like, oh, it's it's there. And they pointed at a porta toilet that they'd constructed <gasps> inside the building. And I was oh, just shit. like, all right. I just need to make a phone call. And I went outside and I phoned my wife and like, and I started, just broke down and I was just like, I need to come home. Oh, I need to come home. And she was like, and she was just like, just get in the car and come home. And yeah. I just drove, drove home. And then yeah. I started sort of commuting. And then eventually I found something with a friend, but it was like, I don't know how we got onto the story, but like, it was pretty fucking yeah. horrific. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know. It just was really, really intense. I can <laughs> really imagine. Intense. Jesus, and, you've and, been through things. Yeah, it's not something I like to sort of think about much. But that was the point where I was sleeping the least. I think I was getting like three hours sleep a night. No, so like I, would, I was, I had insomnia and everything. Now I'm just like awake because as a baby crying or like yeah. I need to, yeah, I need to settle. Like it's a much nicer reason to be awake. Is like yeah, okay, yeah. it's a bit annoying when a baby's crying, but when my daughter's like. Oh, I've had a nightmare and you get like a bit of a cushion, a little bit of a cuddle and like, that's nice. Certainly better than being woken up yeah. by the fear of rats. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> Jesus podcast is one of these kinds of, uh, like, it's like therapy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I don't charge. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't really what we were planning to talk about. We were going to talk about the joys of summer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, less of my concerns. Let's talk about the joys of summer. <laughs> the joys of summer. Yeah, yeah. We should ch- talk about the joys of summer. I will reserve my own flatmate had sex in the flat story. Oh no, sorry. Forget the joys of summer. Tell me about <laughs> flatmates having sex. That's way more interesting. I'm sure listeners want to hear that too. Tell me about it. Okay, the listeners want to hear this then. So it was a Sunday. Uh, we were four people in one big year. It was 2 p.m. And I know that uh, one flatmate had a boyfriend over and the door was closed, which is all fine. And there was another flatmate and there was me. I think it was uh, around the time when I had Facebook and I can hear very graphic noises. And I'm like, wow, uh, Marika, my flatmate, is really into porn. And that's pretty loud. Okay. And uh, then she sends me a message saying, are you watching porn because you're kind of loud? I'm like, that's not me. I thought that's you. And so we both step out oh, wow. into the hallway and it's uh, it's our flatmate. And uh, she knows that we are there. And it, it was very awkward and neither of us wanted to talk to her about it. So there was three of you in the apartment? At, at the time, yes. Right. Uh, uh, like in total, there's three of you. Uh, we were in total four people, but on that day we were three. And mm. the third person had her boyfriend over. And um, wow. that was very awkward because we were pretty sure that <laughs> she wanted us to know that she was getting so good for her. Yeah. I mean, yeah, more power to you. Like if you yep. get a bit of afternoon delight, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. let's not harsh anyone's mellow or anything like that. But at the same time, it's not always the case that you want to hear it, right? Well, the thing is, a couple of months later, um, she really like started alienating herself, this flatmate, from everyone else. And she was moving out. But at the same time, she kept the water running when she was washing things. And we were concerned for the water. And her boyfriend was like there every night, every morning. And I was like, hi, can we, can I talk to you about the water? I mean, when I'm washing something, when I'm soaping something, I switch it off. And she goes... Really, you want to talk about water because you shower twice a day. Hi, Nick. I'm South Asian. Um, I grew up in a country <laughs> where you sweat. I shower twice a day. I wash my hair only once a day, but, you know, I wash twice a day. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I pay for the water, whereas your boyfriend doesn't. He showers in the morning and he's there in the night and it's like seeing Papa, mm. you know. And she goes, oh, is there anything else you want to say? I said, look, let's 
you're just escalating things. I just wanted to talk to you about the water when you're doing the dishes. And she won't stop. And I said, you know what? Actually, since you asked, the sex is really loud. And she goes, mine got. I was like, yep, we heard that. <laughs> My wife lived in a shared accommodation or shared apartment with mm. a couple of people and one like real weird guy. And occasionally, like he used to eat frozen shrimp. So every time I'm in the supermarket and I see frozen shrimp, I'm like, it reminds me of like, sort of 2009 2010 he cooked it yeah he cooked it yeah but like he would oh. that was all he ate fish fingers fish station and shrimps and prawns and all of that jazz and he was hot he was a very str strange guy and i always felt uncomfortable that he lived with my my, my wife but you sort mm. of you're beholden to the you need somewhere to stay it needs to be mm. affordable it was like quite a central place it was mm. good location but you kind of stuck with what you get really yeah and it, it was hard living with a, a group of british blokes when i was a student but yeah. i don't know what it must be like to live in a house with lots of different like a university and halls of residence i lived with a guy from burundi a guy from mm. darlington the biggest problem i had was the guy who was from the northeast <laughs> everyone else was fine french guy portuguese guy spanish guy yeah a uh, guy from burundi and the problem person in the household was the other guy from the northeast of England. What was he like? He was ex-military, so he's a bit kind of oh. a stickler. And we were all like dirty students. It was no, not, no, no one's fault particularly. It was just like we were scumbags, and he was a soldier. So like he was used to a. He didn't like it that we ate his ice cream. That I remember that distinctly. But that's a kind of twatty thing to do is to eat somebody else's food. <laughs> so like to, totally legit reason to fucking hate us, but. Yeah, that was my only experience of living with people from different cultures. No, no, wait. Actually, second year at university, I lived with a friend from Germany. He was difficult to live with. Very, mm -hmm. He was very kind of like, he used to shout at me about leaving teaspoons in the sink. Why would you leave teaspoons in the sink, Nick? Because we made a lot of tea. And, and like, why would you wash the teaspoon when you're going to use it again in about 25 minutes? You know, like. Makes sense. Um and he used to say, like, anything that makes my life easier is 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 good for the house or something like that. He was a bit of an arsehole sometimes. It was good. Yeah. good. He came to my wedding, so we, we, we had a good dynamic, but, like, yeah. he was still a bit of a... It was my first kind of experience of yeah. living with Germans. But I guess you've done more than that than, than I have. I've had my share. Um, I, I once uh, moved into a flat where uh, with a friend of a friend of mine. And... Um, I think I had left something in her room. It was in the morning. I knocked and she said, oh, um, come in. I was like, oh, you're up. Um, I just want to collect something. I, is it okay if I come in now? She goes, yeah, 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 come in. I go in and then she's completely naked on her bed in this very strange pose. I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I thought you said I can come in. And she said, yes, you can. I'm like, ah, right. Okay. I just take my things. And I just leave. Uh, you know, that did not set the tone, kind of tone that I was hoping for in that flat. That was extremely awkward for me. Yeah, it'd be awkward for me too. Like, I don't, yeah. You know, we've had discussions about nudity. It's not something I'm very good with. Uh, my own ah, nudity. <laughs> you are not good with nudity. You're British. Mm, yeah, exactly. I see. I'm freak out a bit. I, yeah, that's true. One flatmate, though, um, I was the oldest in that flat. And so at first I came off as a bully, according to the 19-year-old flatmate who had just moved in. We were, again, four people. And uh, the things I had bullied her about were apparently making her flush the toilet after she used it because I'd haul her out of her room and say, okay, you're going to flush the toilet because I can't use it like that. Rank. And the other two flatmates, when I spoke to them about it, they said... Come on, she's 19. She just moved out of her home. And, you know, it's kind of our responsibility mm. to show her the ropes. Showing her the ropes does not extend to showing her how to flush the fucking toilet. But it all hit the fan uh, one day when she threatened to stab one of my flatmates with a knife in the kitchen. And oh, then, hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we call an escalation mm -hmm. um, and i was like told yeah. you yeah that's not it feels like a million years ago you know because it was i mean it was like 20 years ago i guess yeah. we were sort of yeah. sharing sharing accommodation or like 
for me it was i mean i'm turning 40 this year so a lot of this stuff was my early 20s but um i can't say that i was a great housemate particularly but really um, no i don't i wasn't initially i got thrown out of my brother's house (laughs) did your brother throw you out yeah he did and the final straw was i ate i ate some ham and cheese that he'd bought and he was like right you need to move out how old were you (laughs) 22 maybe oh nick for eating ham and cheese that's i I was i don't think i was paying my way i didn't tidy up i wasn't great you know i got better and improved and then and then got annoyed at people for eating my ham and cheese much later down (laughs) the line so like it's sort of progress right but you progress to eating someone else's ice cream you i mean you progressed I'm not done here. You progress to eating the ice cream of a person who knew how to use a gun. How is that progress? I mean, I mean, there's two points I'd like to highlight. I wasn't the only one who ate the ice cream. And second of all, as far as I'm aware, I didn't have any firearms in the house. So I would felt like I could probably My point get away just with stands. It. You make really <laughs> shitty arguments. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, yeah, I, I, part of it's fun. I mean, the, the, the bits of university living with people were fun. The bit where I was kind of traveling was not fun. That was just horrific. Mm-hmm. I think initially it was quite exciting, but as, after about two weeks, the, the sort of joy had worn off. And I think uh, as you get older, the less like, inclined you are to do travel for work, I feel like you just want some stability, really. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think it's partially why I, I changed jobs, because I just I realized that the pandemic was going to end at some point and I'd have to go back to doing what I was doing before. <laughs> and I just couldn't. I just couldn't face it. Um, no, no. Like it just, yeah, couldn't do it. Anyway, what a weird tangent. <laughs> we what took. a weird tangent. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We probably have to save our discussions about summertime fun for next week. So that's something to look forward to, listeners. Don't you worry. We'll get to the discussions about going to the park and and lakes and so forth. But let's uh, let's dive in a bit to the uh, to what's been happening around Germany. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a few a few weeks ago we talked about Marcus Söder unveiling a plaque in Munich to celebrate the life of uh, I think I believe his name is uh, Gustl Beerhammer, who was the voice of a character called Meister Eder, a very famous voice actor, a very famous cartoon series called Meister Eder Unsigned Pumuckel, um, and it's a cartoon series about about this guy and his, his sort of cartoon goblin type character. Um, that was very popular in sort of seventies and eighties. I think it's still on, uh, repeated on on German television. And he unveiled this plaque to celebrate uh, the voice actor, but also the the Pumuckl is kind of a a Munich character, and it's a character that's, that was produced in this area. The story's set in sort of Munich as well. There's been a development, an exciting development on this story, because Munich not only wanted to celebrate this guy's life through a plaque but mm-hmm. also they're hoping to do something a bit a bit different which is they're going to change some of the traffic lights in the area to f- uh, the pedestrian traffic lights to feature the cartoon character the pumuckle so instead of a red man and a green man mm. there'll be a red pumuckle and a green pumuckle and it'll be like a this like mm. um bushy-haired character that mm. you'll see when you need to cross or not cross the road okay it's quite a cool idea i thought i mean i don't know what you make of the idea of celebrating famous kind of cartoon characters or famous people with uh traffic lights i mean is that something you'd look forward to do you wish to become so famous that they'll make a dilly shaped traffic light (laughs) i wish they should i'm glad that that's the turn the story took because the way you were telling the story at first i was wondering whether it was marcus Söder who was going to get his own traffic lights and i was not amused oh yeah because marcus Söder used his own quote on the um on the plaque. On the plaque that he, unf- yeah, he unveiled. With all his titles. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, you know, that's not very far from having your image uh, preserved uh, on the traffic lights. Well, let's see. I mean, maybe there's plenty of time for him to come up with his own uh, with his own traffic light option. Um, the Marcus <laughs> Suda traffic light. So this is the idea. And, int- and like, the crazy thing about this story isn't so much that they want to change the traffic light. Mm. It's that in this, these sort of, dire times of political kind of division and and disagreement between all the political parties in Germany. This yeah. had united the city of Munich because the Stadtrat, the, the, the city government, mm. uh, had uh, uniformly agreed that this was a great idea. Yes, let's do this, right? Let's come together and do it. That's touching. Um, how, 
Um, yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah. I thought like, yeah, yeah, building political coalitions around famous cartoon characters. Wipe a tear off my <laughs> eye kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a great idea. However, nothing is ever easy. And I believe there's going to be a debate in the um, Stadtrat about whether this is, is a, a good option. But mm -hmm. also, there's potentially going to be a feasibility study in case the use of the pumukul might cause traffic accidents because <laughs> people can tell the difference between red and green i guess <laughs> traffic okay that's that's very german to do a feasibility study uh, yeah i mean i guess it's safety first right if you're going to change the symbols on a traffic light mm. there's got to be attention to detail make sure that there isn't a a kind of issue with it people are stupid you know dilly people do stupid things so it makes sense but this is the thing that i discovered is this kind of use of traffic lights to celebrate famous uh, residents or former mm. residents of a city in Germany is quite common. Mm -hmm. And one of the examples they used in an article I read in Süddeutsche Zeitung mm. said that in Mainz, you have the Mainzelmännchen, which okay. are these like cartoon characters that are used in the interstitial sections between shows and adverts mm -hmm. on uh, the German broadcaster ZDF. So mm -hmm. between a TV show and an advert, there'll be like a, a two second, three second kind of cartoony thing. And these characters are quite famous. Mm -hmm. And they, because ZDF's based in mines, they change some of the traffic lights to have these like cartoon characters. Mm -hmm. So that's something they've done before. And they also gave me some other examples. Like? And it made me think, well, here we go, Dilly. Because uh, I thought... Why uh, Why not just turn this into a bit of a quiz for you to see if you can work out where some of these famous traffic-like characters okay. um, can be found, okay? So I've got three questions for you. I'm going to give mm -hmm. you the celebrity, and you have to try and tell me where you think in Germany you would find uh, these examples. Mm -hmm. So in which city would I find Karl Marx directing pedestrians to cross or not cross the road? So where would I find a Karl Marx traffic light? Can I Google? No, you cannot Google. That is definitely against the rules. Hmm. Karl Marx. In, okay. Can you tell me? Is it Berlin? No, no, it's not Berlin. It is, in fact, Trier uh, oh. in southwest Germany. Okay. I, I know Trier for its wine. Wine and apparently Karl Marx. I think was oh. he born? Was was, was Mar Marx born there? I mean, that's the the, the question. I guess. I believe I, you're not was. supposed to Google. Take your hands off your computer. Hey, hey, no. hey, hey, hey! I'm the I'm the quiz master here. Yeah, he was born there in <laughs> in May fifth, eighteen eighteen. Good old bushy bearded Marx was born in Trier, and they uh, celebrated uh, his. I think it was the two hundredth birthday of Marx. And they the the, the actual the, uh, the the go and have a look. You can. Um, I'll maybe post a link in the, the show notes. You can go have a look at the article mm. uh, and the example of these traffic lights. They're quite fun. Quite a fun image. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question. Are you ready? Next question. Where would I be if I was crossing the road to the swinging hips of Elvis Presley? This is a trick question, right? Are you serious? Uh, no, no. I mean, there's a traffic light somewhere in Germany that has a... Uh, there's a couple of them actually. There's one of Elvis holding a guitar, and there's one of the sort mm. of stereotypical Elvis pose of him doing his kind of swinging hips dance that he was so famous for. Um, so this has to be a town that Elvis played in in Germany. It's not where he played in. It's not where he played. What else in. was he doing in Germany? Well, if it helps, he was in this part of the world. I th I believe in the 1950s. Oh, no, 1958. In 1958, Elvis Presley did something in Germany that did not involve singing. Yes, exactly. Was he married to a German? Nope. What was he doing in Germany? Ah. Elvis Presley. Is it Bremerhaven? It's not. Why did you choose that one, though? Because I didn't Google. <laughs> I saw you Googling. <laughs> but what, what, why, why did you choose that, that location? Because it says that he walked off an army troop ship in Bremerhaven, but apparently he didn't stop there. He kept walking. He did keep walking. He walked so far to Friedberg, in fact. That's where he walked <laughs> to. It's where Elvis did his military service in the city mm. of Friedberg. And that's why they celebrated Elvis having been there for, for his military service by giving him some lovely traffic lights. 
Okay. Okay. So, I mean, this this one is to to regain some level of uh, of um, of kind of credibility there, Dilly, because you've got two wrong in a row. <laughs> Fine. Okay, you've kept count. Jeez. <laughs> of course, I have. Um, I think I miss Simon. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he's not he's not here this week, so um no. tough. The uh this one is actually the hardest one, I think. Finally, in which stat would a miner tell me when it's safe to cross the road? So which city in Germany do we have traffic lights that use a, a miner with a helmet and a lamp? Is it a city that is very nicely unionized? <laughs> It's in the city that's nicely. I mean, I guess to a certain extent it is. It's in the north of Germany. There's a hint. It is the most, I think it's the most populated state in Germany. It's not Hamburg, is it? No. Okay. Is it? It's supposed to be North Rhine-Westphalia. The state is North Rhine-Westphalia and the city is Duisburg. But we have it here too, actually. What? The minor or the... um. Okay, I don't know whether this. Uh, I, I don't know what a miner is supposed to look like. He's got a, a hat with a light on it, and he's holding a lamp. So, oh, okay. Did they have this in uh, where you are? Then do they have ample mention with like a um, a theme? I don't know whether that's a theme. Now that you mention it, I'll have to look this up. So, where I live in Weissenfels, you have um, like a gentleman, a man in a hat, and that's the side view. So. According to an article in the C uh, by the CNN in 2017, there is a reason for why traffic lights are so much better in Germany. Go on. So Judith Wonberg has written an article it's titled, This is Why Traffic Lights Are So Much Better in Germany. And uh, the article starts with a photo of the traffic lights that I see here. Well, you have the famous Ampelmann in Berlin. Yeah. Is it, is it the guy with the funny hat? This is the Ampelmann. Yeah. So it says that it's pretty, uh, it's, uh, Berlin is home to the hat-wearing Ampelmann, the traffic light man, mm. and that it's a relic of the city's divided past. Ah. Yep. Interesting. So, so I mean, yeah, I mean, I knew the, I knew of the Ampelmann in Berlin being like, it's become kind of a tourist symbol as well. You get lots of different souvenirs with, I think my mother's got a, a fridge magnet with the Ampelmann on it. Um, mm. So I know it's and there, there is there is precedent here, but yeah, interesting. Um, I guess we're going to find out whether uh, Munich's going to get its Pumuckel ample uh, in the future. Um, I do hope so. I, I quite like this as an idea, as a way of of celebrating your city's famous people and uh, history. Yeah, someone's put a lot of thought into this. Indeed, indeed. Uh, okay, let's whip through some of the exciting stories that are rocking Germany this week. I'll give you a couple of things and then uh, see what you what you do with them. Okay, so moving away from the ample man, we've got um, a, a man who looks like an ample man but isn't. He is the chancellor of this fine country, Mister Olaf Scholz. Now, um, old Olaf is kind of famous for being uh, uh, much discussed on the podcast, but he's also He's one of those men who doesn't really show his anger that much, and he's trying to project this image of a cool, calm leader. And this kind of shifted this weekend. I'm not sure if you saw this. When he went, um, I've written here full Hulk mode, but I'm not sure if that's really fair. It's about <laughs> as hulky as uh, Mr. Olaf Schultz gets. He yeah. went basically, as we'd say in, in Newcastle, Acker, uh, on a crowd of protesters at an SPD-organized event in Falconsea last Friday. Um, did you see the footage of, of Olaf Schultz shouting at a, a crowd of people from, from a, a stage? Did you see any of this on, on Twitter? I didn't. How come I missed this? I don't know. Maybe maybe the algorithm isn't in your favour. Um, I'll tell or you maybe about it. it. Is. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe you've done the right thing. Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Um, so Scholz was um, reacting angrily to um, a crowd that is were protesting against his support for uh, Ukraine mm. in, in in its current uh, invasion by Russia. Uh, and they were shouting at him saying he was a warmonger and that he should create peace without weapons. Mm. 
I mean, it's a great slogan, sure, but like I'd love for someone to tell me how the fuck you do that. Anyway, um, <laughs> so he told the crowd, he's like, eventually just lost it. And he told the crowd of protesters they would be better shouting the slogans at the Russian embassy uh, for Putin to hear. And he said that if you, they would do that if they had any sense in their brains. But he also <laughs> went further and said that Putin was a warmonger and that Putin killed an incredible number of citizen children and the elderly in Ukraine, which is the fucking truth. I don't know. I, I, it was interesting seeing him being passionate because he's not really that passionate. He's not. He, he doesn't speak with conviction even, right? Mm. I, I get what you mean. I like the fact that he showed some emotion. I'm, I'm hoping that the next time he does that, he will use this latest insult that I have learned. Mm. I learned it today. Mm. May I share it with you, Nick? Go on, go on. Give me some insight. So insults. someone tells another person, maybe you can use your head for something other than lice. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Damn, that's oh, yeah. some hardcore insult then. That's yeah, hardcore. Yeah. I, I want to see Olaf Schultz say that. Well, it's kind of nice to see a bit of passion. I, I don't know about, like you see a lot of passion in Robert Harbeck, for sure, um, especially over the last few weeks when he's been under fire. Mm. Um, but... You don't see a lot from Olaf Scholz is quite reserved. He sort of campaigned in the election in 2021 as being the the sort of replacement for Merkel and that he was cool and calm. And that was the image that he was projecting to the to the kind of voters. And he's continued that in his in through his chancellorship. But actually it was like, all right, this guy's got a bit of something to him, you know, he's willing to kick back. Um and and in this instance, I think. It was. I think it was one of those situations where it's better he wasn't defending some policy or other that he'd sort of created domestically. He was actually defending mm-hmm. a broadly supported policy of supplying weapons and munitions and, oh, and general su- support to, to Ukraine, Ukraine. in this yeah. moment of need. And I fucking hate that term. Something really got up my nose about the Which term? Create, pe- create peace without weapons. And I was like, Peace at any peace cost. Weapons. And I was like, peace at any cost. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I've heard that phrase before. It's like, all I'm, very hold hands run through the middle kind of thing. Well, it's not just that. It seems like it's very kind of like um, Neville Chamberlain, peace in our time, you know. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we've got peace, you know. Peace at any cost. We've just sold Poland down the river, but fuck it, doesn't matter. You know, I'm kind of like, eh, I think you need to stand up to bullies, right? I think this is the the important thing here, but yeah, it was nice to see a bit of passion mm-hmm. running through the uh, the cold blooded veins of Olaf Scholz. I need to see this. I would love to see like like does he show emotion on his face because he doesn't? I mean, not not really. I mean, his his voice is very loud. He's shouting because I don't think if you, if he didn't shout, you wouldn't have been heard. And he's using a microphone, but like oh. he's also, I think he's just is he, he's very animated. He's very angry. I think. Mm. But being described as a warmonger, as as I think he's legitimately allowed to feel, mm. um, given that he's not the one that that invaded Ukraine. That was yeah. Vladimir yeah. Putin. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll move on. We'll we'll talk about other aspects of politics where this kind of passion might come in useful. But I thought in this moment it was it was quite a, quite a um, a shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping it. I'm hoping it's something we see again soon. Um. Yeah, moving on. Uh, you, again, you, maybe you've had a beautiful weekend and you were sp- enjoying the sun, the, the sunshine, and so forth, and eating ice cream. So maybe you, you didn't see the Olaf Scholz thing, but did you see what happened in Leipzig Saturday, Sunday? No, I was enjoying the sunshine and the ice cream. What happened in Leipzig on Sunday? I was quite, it was quite chaotic. I was like, sort of, um, sort of following it in the and live tickers and things mm. like this. There was, there was like a. It was sort of a, it's hard to describe, right? Because it, it was a, a riot, effectively. Right? It's effectively a riot, but a very well-contained riot. I see. So there's been a lot happening in 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 Leipzig, yeah, uh, and it stems from a, a year and a half's worth of of court case that's been happening, mm-hmm. I believe, in Dresden, uh, that revolved around um, Lena E. And Lena E was accused of being a left-wing extremist vigilante mm. who had attacked neo-Nazis and had planned, along with other left-wing extremists, to attack neo-Nazis and 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 places where neo-Nazis 
hung out. Mm-hmm. And it kind of brought the discussion of, is it okay to punch a Nazi in the face mm-hmm. to a kind of legal level? Mm-hmm. Because Lena E, apparently, according to the court uh, decision, um, they found her guilty and gave her five years and three months. Oh, for, shit. For, I think it's for two things. I think it's for for the the violence, but also for apparently being part of like a conspiracy, I think would be the best mm-hmm. description, like a, a kind of extremist group, right? And the for a long time, um, left-wing groups have been planning what they've described as day X, and the day X would be the protest following the sentencing of Lena E. And I think they already knew that Lena E was probably not going to be found anything other than guilty mm-hmm. um, and so it planned this um and and it was it was quite a thing to watch but it was also interesting because the police contained it in a very small area they got mm-hmm. a lot of praise in the media for, in the media at least for reducing the the sort of impact of these protests there was burning burning kind of barricades and stones thrown and, and various other things but there was also like concerts and I think there was like football matches and stuff happening that weekend too. Mm. But they managed to sort of contain it. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that we have this kind of, this court case occurring in this kind of moment of political uncertainty that we have. And uh, we'll talk about the growth in in kind of right-wing parties in a moment. But I just thought it was interesting the kind of reaction to it because a lot of Mm -hmm. the media, like I said, was... Uh, broadly kind of supportive of the police but there was like i think it was um representatives of delinka and also Mm. some low-level members of the green party Mm -hmm. were very were very kind of critical of the police reaction that Mm. they kettled these protesters yeah i don't know what to make of it i mean i don't know that you really want people angrily out with the intention like as soon as you see a crowd of people with with like their masks over yeah. their faces and their hoods up. That isn't a signal that like, this is going to go well. But at the same time, I'm broadly in support of protests. I don't know what you make of it. I'm not sure if like if it should have been allowed, like allowed to happen if the protest had been allowed to march around the city, whether it would have been a good thing or not. So people were protesting. Uh, they were protesting. You protest about or against? They were protesting in support of Lena E. I don't know, maybe my judgment is a bit clouded, given the fact that the IFD has said that Lena E's sentence could have been longer. The prosecution actually wanted to give her eight years. I see. That's, yeah. And she got, okay. Protests are always good. I would never say there's anything wrong with a protest. That's, That's someone's right. That's kind of my kind of perspective. Yeah. Again, was the protest always going to be violent or was it violent because they were being kettled by the police? It's kind of like chicken and egg, uh, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The escalation, right? Because then yeah. you have a legitimate, you know, and, and I'm doing my air quotes, then you have a legitimate reason for intervention in the protest. Mm-hmm. I think the other side of it is they kettled them for the majority of the day and people happened to give them water and they wouldn't let them move. They wouldn't mm. let them out. They kind of kept them in this space and this, I think it was like in a park in the middle of the city, mm. kept them in this area until they could process them all. So they were taking names and photographing people. And that I kind of felt was a bit, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of stories of like right-wing infiltration of police in the military in Germany. Yep. And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, I just, there was something that just made me feel a bit, and I'm, I'm not that I'm saying the police are all right wing or anything. I'm not yeah. like, like kind of saying that necessarily. But I think if I was a protester, I would be fucking angry if it was like, we're going to kettle you. We're not going to let you protest. In fact, we're going to ban your protest. Yeah. And we also want you to give us all your details and we want to photograph you. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And on top of that, Again, I'm no legal expert, but looking at the evidence that was presented against Lena E, it all felt the every article was like there wasn't a smoking gun, there wasn't a piece of evidence that was like a WhatsApp message group or like an email or like a, a picture of of her attacking someone or a videotape. Yeah, it was, true. it was basically based on two two witnesses, one person who was a right wing extremist and who's also being charged for right-wing extremism 
who said he'd seen her leaving um, a bar after attacking a group of um, neo-Nazis, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then a former member of the group of left-wing extremists, for want of a better word, who'd said, oh, like, this is who she is and this is what they were planning to do. And so they'd got her for the conspiracy element and also mm. had an eyewitness who I, I, who'd sort of identified them, but nothing else to corroborate the, these stories. Yeah. It kind of felt a little bit like, is that it? Is that all that, that all it needs to get, get you done is, is kind of this? I mean, talk about a credible witness. Exactly. Well, that's what I was thinking. It's like, that's not a great witness. <laughs> You've not got two of the best witnesses in that in that box. And, and I guess the defense lawyers had complained that, that, that this was an issue. Mm -hmm. And also that, that she was being tried like she was a terrorist. Yeah. And I think if you, you live in, you live in the East, you know that the mm -hmm. East has a lot of problems with these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, it was only, it was only a few weeks ago. Was it, there was some footage I'd seen of a group of blokes. I think one of them was a policeman sitting in a, like a, a sort of outside in a kind of garden and mm -hmm. they had like um, swastika flags up everywhere mm -hmm. and they were having a barbecue and someone had like kind of confronted them and gone like, are oh, you having a good time are you?" Mm -hmm. And like the, one of the people who was identified, I think he was a policeman. Mm -hmm. And I was like, come on, like that's, that's fucking suspect. Wait, so someone asked him a question and he got beaten up or what? No, 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 no. It's just like the footage I've, I'd seen. It was basically oh. like, a, I think it was on Father's Day a uh -huh. couple of weeks ago. And it was a group of blokes that had some some tents set up with like beer and a buffet. Yeah. But behind the buffet were like Hackenkreutz flags. And and oh, she, yeah, I think the person had gone. And, and 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 I think the guy got fired eventually, or he's been investigated. Yeah. So like we know they know these things happen, and they're, they're happening yeah. quite openly now. Yeah, yeah. In a more in a way than it has in the last decade. Yeah. And that's kind of like I can understand the desire for certain people to stand up against it, yeah. especially when you that that sort of education focuses heavily on the never forget. Like mm -hmm. part of the never forget has to be. Like, what did they not do enough in the Weimar Republic? Maybe, like, I'm not, I'm not endorsing it, but I do think it, it has that element to it. Mm -hmm. it. It does feel like it does feel like things are a bit more febrile in Germany at the moment when it comes to politics and comes to the divisions. I think the cracks are really showing, uh, particularly with the uh, the polls. That plays the uh, IFD. Yeah, let's 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 move on to the story then, because this is one of our other stories that we've got. Is that, and it's something we've discussed a lot on WhatsApp this week. Yeah. Every sort of Sunday, there's a, a Sonntagsfrage where they take a survey, a poll of of voters to see uh, which parties that the, the, they would vote for. Mm. And uh, this week, or sort of last week to this week. There's been um, a bit of a shock for Germany as the, the sort of Sonntagsfrage came out and suggests, at least, that the AfD are gaining uh, alternative uh, alternative for Deutschland, the Germany's uh, far right party that sits in the Bundestag, are gaining in support, and they currently have between eighteen and nineteen percent in some opinion polls, mm -hmm. and th this is the same amount as the current senior member of the governing ample coalition, the SPD, Olaf Scholz's party. And so we have this kind of shock to the system where yep. it's like, oh shit, um, they're polling. I think this is the highest they've polled in, in, a, in ever really, at 18%. So there's a poll we'd, we'd seen today that suggests they might even be the second largest party by, by these surveys, yep. which is, I think, broadly shocking to a lot of people. Personally, I, I'm not shocked. It's distressing because um, people don't have a feasible plan for keeping the IFD away. We never had one. But that's, that's it, right? They, they were in opposition uh, under uh, Angela Merkel's last government. Yeah. They were the official opposition yeah. because the CDU and uh, SPD were in the grand coalition together. And so the AfD were the, the were the third largest party, and therefore the opposition. Yeah. So it's not unheard of that they would be quite large. Yeah. But this is, I think, more shocking 
to a lot of people because it, it's sort of suggestive of a couple of things that have been happening. The results kind of sparked this kind of annual wringing of hands that Germany seems to go through very regularly about what to do about this large, the largest right-wing party in Germany. And, and, and then there's like a soul-searching element. What does this mean for Germany? What, what, what does this mean for us? And, and more importantly than any of those questions, who should we blame for the rise of the AfD? Yeah. Now, maybe I'm a bit burned out by too many polls, and certainly <laughs> Brexit taught me a lot about how trustworthy polls are. Mm -hmm. I think if you're an American, you saw a lot of polls that said Hillary Clinton was going to win that election in 2016, and well, lo and behold, that didn't happen. Uh, so I think we have to be bloody careful when it comes to polling, because it's not the result, it is a snapshot of a moment mm -hmm. in, in time. And I tend to wonder about the data of these things. I think the the polls that I'd seen had between sort of a thousand and two thousand people involved. Mm -hmm. Like a thousand to two thousand is quite a good mm. polling sample. Mm. So I don't doubt that the accuracy of the poll. I just doubt that three years out from the election, where the people who say I would vote for the AfD mm. tomorrow would do that when there's an actual election. That's the first thing. Like mm -hmm. saying I'm going to vote for the AfD and then actually voting for them is very two very different things. And I think I want to I want to know where they were polled. I couldn't find that data. Mm. No one seems to talk about it. Everyone's like, shit. It's it, AfD's got eighteen yeah. percent, but they don't really go into where the data is or how yeah. the data is kind of organized. Yeah. Who was asked those kinds of things? How um, I mean, you have okay, so you have a good sample then of of about. 2,000 or 3,000 people, but um, how were they contacted? Where were they found? Exactly. Which states were they in? What included um, them in it? Yeah. All of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And these questions that, like I said, are never really asked in any type of debate, that basically when there's a poll comes out, it's kind of accepted as if Zeus has come down and declared this from the top of Mount Olympus. And so I find that a little bit of, of something to think about. Mm -hmm. Because again, as I said, it isn't a, and it's not an election result. It is a snapshot of what people think right in this moment yeah. in, in sort of June, 2023. Yeah. So I'd be, I want to first, before I move, we'll talk about it any further. Mm. I want us to be clear that I'm, I'm really personally, and I'm thinking you're the same, wary of reading too much into these polls mm -hmm. so far out from an election, but perception is reality, yeah. as they say. I, I still wonder though, I mean particularly as a brown person, a brown woman living in Germany, I do wonder, exactly. I mean, accessing healthcare, accessing the job market, accessing um, higher education in the academia, and all of these things have had problems that have had something to do with also who I am. Mm -hmm. And with the IFD gaining traction, I can see things getting a lot worse, though. What in the sort of in the technical aspects and the in and what those is allowed? I mean, even if these people do not come to power as much mm -hmm. in the next few years, but just the fact, I mean, even the hype around these polls and the surveys, it legitimizes the party, right? Doesn't it? I think it sort of does, and it doesn't because name me some policies like do you know any of the policies of the AfD do any of these people know the policies of the AfD policies for the AfD are things like prevent economic sanctions or like like no more economic sanctions against Russia and I'm like really that's a policy um, national conscription that's a policy of the AfD like the, when you delve into the detail yeah, as I yeah, think some yeah, pe yeah. a lot of people do I mean, this really, are people just saying this because they're, they're angry with the current state of affairs? I think people don't re read the policies, right? Do they? Do they know the policies? Do they know what kind of agenda they have? They don't. We went through this with Brexit and everyone was like, well, everyone who voted for Brexit was a racist or people uh, voted for Brexit because they thought they were going to get money from the N NHS. Mm -hmm. and, and like people vote for things for a myriad of different reasons and trying to work out why thousands and thousands of people will vote for a particular party is uh, it's never one thing. And I'm always wary of those people who try and explain these kinds of shifts in politics with, the, with binaries. Mm -hmm. And I say that 
with the full intention of of saying this this next bit what was the reaction to this news mm. in it, around germany yeah. well one person had a very clear idea as to why the afd are doing so well in the polls mm -hmm. and that was our old friend friedrich mertz uh, leader of germany's opposition party the cdu and guess who he blamed dilly guess who he thought was to be blamed for the growth in the afd it was the green party what done it Again, the Green Party are being blamed for literally every possible thing that could go wrong in Germany. It's the Greens, them dirty Greens. So surprise, surprise. Uh, apparently, the Greens, along with their coalition partners, are responsible due to their weakness in government. And he stated that if we had a technically and politically well-working government, then the AfD wouldn't be at 18%. And I just thought, holy shit, there's a man who can't own his own crap. No. There's a man who has, and we've talked about mm -hmm. it, has stolen the AfD's lunch, has promoted their talking points, yeah. and is now turning around going, well, it's nothing to do with me. It's the government that's to blame. Uh, the people who we've been constantly attacking for every single policy that they've yeah. come up with at every single angle. And I'm like, I think it's a pretty wild accusation from Mertz. But do you think he has a point, though? Do you think he has a point? He has a point if he has a very sharp pencil. <laughs> well maybe maybe he does he looks like a man with a sharp pencil <laughs> i think he has a parker pen i think that would be my <laughs> estimation that's your guess so you don't you don't think this has any grounds then i don't know it feels like a very cheap short political discourse kind of shot where people twist something to blame the party that is in power uh, you know it's something that they are doing uh, whereas when you asked whether I could guess who he blamed, I was about to say, did he blame himself? I don't think he has a reflective element in his entire psyche, really. No. Like, I mean, wasn't it only in January we were talking about his sort of attacks on migrants and how they needed to integrate? Yeah. Um, was it last last week? Yeah, it was last week. One of the CDU's new policies was... Uh, we need a, a ministry for patriotism. And I was like, holy shit. Really? That's what we're doing? And then he's like, oh, the Rampumpen debate. It's the dumbest fucking debate I've ever heard, mm. where literally everyone who speaks on it against it doesn't actually understand the policy. Like, I watched a, um, Lanz is one of mm. the, the big political talk shows, and he was asking a CDU member about the law that the, the green party wants to introduce mm. and he seemed like he'd never he didn't know any of the details the cdu guy was actually correcting lands about the points he was like oh they want to do this and he's like no they want to do they actually want to they're going to give money to it and they're going to support it and that the, like that you're not just going to have to do mm. it on a flip of a switch and he's like so what happens if you've um you've had a, an oil and gas a boiler for for 10 years and it breaks down he's like well if it can be fixed then then it's fine but if you need to replace it then you'd replace it with a with a heating pump and he's like oh that's not i don't i didn't understand that and it just it was honestly the dumbest debate and i'm like aren't you meant to be one of the four most political talk show hosts yeah. and he, every week he seems to go on television and doesn't seem to really know any of the fucking policies and i think that's a problem there was a, a really interesting rtl TV mm. excerpt that I saw. It was RTL, no, ZDF, sorry. And I'll post that in the show notes too, mm -hmm. where they tracked the increase in polling numbers for the AfD. Mm. And there was government elements in there. There was sort of bad-tempered coalition meetings were tracked on this increase in, in popularity for the AfD. Mm. But so were things like price inflation, mm. energy prices, the dumbest debate over nuclear energy. Green Party, who has been against nuclear energy for its entire time, like and it's, it's, it started from a anti-nuclear movement, right? And then they're in government and they ban nuclear energy. And that's not a surprise for anyone. And actually, it's not necessarily a terrible thing. But then you have all these fucking neckbeards and fucking people like Precht and all that who turn up on television and stroke their chins. They all look the same. These wankers, man. They've all got like wanky <laughs> haircut. Like they all they all look like they've all been to a, like a um, a spa for the day or something. They all got fake tan and sort of overly straightened hair and 
like they all just look like assholes to me <laughs> and they all say the same shit and it's all like devoid of any kind of reality and they're all like oh we need nuclear energy it's actually cleaner now like they it just these it wasn't a debate of any of any substance yeah. it was just men with opinions shouting at each other for yeah. fucking six weeks or something and so i don't think that helps doesn't make anything look look good yeah and then we have the debate over the uh the phase out of oil and gas boilers yeah. and i'm kind of like what's that all about you know i mean like that debate's really stupid it makes everyone look stupid when you have to have it yeah like you have that fdp going we've got 77 questions about the, the replacement of oil and gas boilers mm. and then they're answered the news story of the 77 questions everywhere every fucking newspaper mm. had that news story mm. i the reply to that was on the page 22 scroll down the bottom of the page mm. it was literally it wasn't a headline the ftp 77 questions headline the green party's answers to those questions which they gave didn't see it anywhere oh no yeah exactly right annalena Baerbock makes a an error in mm. anything mm. top of twitter everyone's attacking yeah. it christian lindner went on tv yesterday or was on an interview yesterday and basically didn't understand how the tax system works in germany he's the finance minister there's like a video that you, you can find oh, it shit. he's being interviewed and it's it's clear from his understanding he doesn't understand exactly how the system works with regards to tax of of international corporations mm. and the mittelstand is there a news article attacking him for being uh, like a, an idiot or um, attacking him for, for getting something not knowing wrong. anything? Yeah. For getting something wrong. No. Is there any, is, is there a news story no. where um, you've got some wanker podcaster who um, is um, a sort of a Jordan Peterson wannabe mm. saying how inexperienced he is because he's only 44. Yeah. Oh, he's four, he's four years older than Annalena Baerbock. Mm. Oh, that means he must be inexperienced. No, there isn't. And this is the problem, I think, is that the, the kind of noise yeah. of the media yeah um, yeah i mean isn't this what Matt would have said had he used his head for something other than lies <laughs> so. i'm glad you brought that insult back um i was really you know I, I i really had to get it in there i just i just think it's it's like i said in january you know it's david cameron redux you know yeah. I, i'm gonna steal the talking points oops wait what's happened the, the far right have taken over how did this happen and i'm like um because you thought you could say what they say and and people wouldn't wouldn't go to the yeah, source they wouldn't you know like, like with it I don't think it's, again, I don't think it's Mertz to blame. I think everyone's to fuck. I think we're to blame. I think everyone's to blame yeah, for this, yeah, personally. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like everyone is is in a in a position where we all have to bear the burden of, like, but, it, but if the media was less... Sensational. Exactly. If politicians took responsibility for the shit they say, yeah. Mertz is, is, a, is a archetype of that. But Christian Lindner has done the same. He's, he's played the immigration game. They've had this big discussion about what kind of rules should we have for refugees coming into the country. That was like a, a story with so much um, incorrect information. Nick? Like that debate. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking pretty much along the same lines that, um, I mean, do we need an IFD when every, most other prominent people from the other parties have like been reading of the IFD script? I mean, you have mm. Marcus Söder, for example, uh I mean, he's always about the meat. You know, ah, oh, the Germans, mm. uh, why, why, why are we not allowed to eat meat? Why can't we have meat? Mm. Why are they not serving meat in the in the mm. kindergarten or the schools or wherever? Where, whereas that is not the case. I mean, this is just mm. sensationalizing, uh, playing to the passions and playing to the the flogged horse that we've uh, heard from, uh, heard about from the IFD for a long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do they, I mean it is utterly irresponsible? Are they not to be blamed? I mean, what about Merz? I mean, wasn't it like it wasn't even a year ago when he lost his shit over the fireworks at uh, Christmas or New yeah. Year? And and that story wasn't even true. And then he didn't even mention that it. There like, was he didn't no go, apology. Oh, I, I, no, there was no like. Oh, I, I seem to have got my information incorrect. Like maybe we need to consider how we speak in public as politicians. Yeah. Nope. It was just the next thing, the next yeah. thing. Oh, it's uh, um, Extinction Rebellion, mm. or it's Just Stop Oil, or it's blah, 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 blah. Attack, 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 attack. Yeah. 
we need to be relevant, we need to be relevant. Everything the government does is incorrect. Even when they're doing the things that we support, it's incorrect. Yeah. And it's like you're creating these divisions, yeah. but moreover, yeah. the soda example is the culture war. Yeah. No one wills in a culture war. Yeah. And the difference I think is in Britain, the data shows that most voters don't give a shit about the culture war. What concerns me is it does seem like there's a lot of voters in Germany who do. And I think that is partially to do with the age of the average voter. Yeah. I think this plays very well to with people people over the age of 40 yeah who have a very rigid understanding especially in a country that seems to hate young people yeah. like germany really seems to fucking hate young people its institutions and its administrations yeah. and its governments and its media they fucking hate young people yep. saying anything and doing anything and i think that's a massive danger for germany is that when you have that division of young and old and you think somehow age d confers on the individual some kind of benevolent knowledge yeah. instead of just out of date misunderstandings i think that's where where the problems lie it like with is validating uh the opinion yeah, yeah. just just because you're 55 doesn't mean shit oh. doesn't mean you know any more than a young person it just means you've been you've you've failed to die for 55 <laughs> years like well done like great uh, work listeners uh nick is not grumpy at all <laughs> I know, I know. I told you it would hit. I told you, you know, the worst bit about this listener, right? And this is the bit you might, you might, I may or may not know right now. Midway through this conversation, I had to go downstairs and get my son. So currently, I'm ranting into a microphone as my son sits on my lap. So hey, at least he's going to know what his dad's all about before before he turns <laughs> one years old. Anyway. That brings us to the end of the show. Nick needs to put his baby son to bed. You're damn right I do. I'm, I'm, I might have to whisper this end section. If you're enjoying the podcast now, if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome, or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dilly on at Dilly Algema, and you can tweet me at 40%German. You can also get us on DecadesFromHome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%German.com. Weekly articles are up here every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks, and bis zum nächsten Mal. Cheers! Cheers.